It's called wokeness, and it's a plague. A plague that places tyranny before freedom, criminality over virtue, and hate over love. It's a plague that threatens what millions have died for. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. We will fight it. We will defeat it. We will eradicate it. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the least woke man in America. Happy 4th of July 2022, everyone. I am the least woke man in America, and you are the never woke nation. A group of people determined to fight against the godless, gunless, abortion-filled, censorship-ridden, crime-infested hellhole we call Praghelia, the progressive hellhole the American left wants to create in this country. And is there any more important day than July 4th, especially in the era of wokeness, to really dig down and think about the roots of this country, what it stands for, how it started, etc.? Of course, it's a great holiday for barbecuing, for family, for friends, um, for a lot of different things. Like I mentioned with Memorial Day, especially when you live in northeastern, midwestern cold states. It's summer. It's finally nice outside. It's warm. You can do things. It's all natural for all of us to enjoy those things on 4th of July and Memorial Day. But also, it's so important to not lose perspective. The reason those fireworks go off is to represent the celebration that took place when the original 13 colonies received their freedom from Britain. July 4th, 1776, the Second Continental Congress met in Philadelphia. Sorry if I don't sound like myself, just allergies. In Philadelphia to sign the Declaration of Independence. And in each step of what I'm going to say here, I'm going to try to blast the woke perspective. It's a holiday. It's a great holiday. It's an important holiday. I don't want to come off as too combative, but it needs to be said. So on January 4th, 1776, the woke version is a bunch of rich white guys got together and created a country that was just there to benefit themselves. Here's the real story. A bunch of guys who, yes, were white males. That was the culture at the time. Cultures as I always talk about here, culture is a big, powerful word. It establishes your norms. So you want your culture to have as many beneficial norms as possible. That wasn't a great norm back then. Obviously, because women can work now and women can do things and become educated, that has unleashed more potential into our society. Like I always say, if I'm getting my brain operated on, I want the smartest person to do it. Man, woman, whatever. But that was the norm at the time. And we, frankly, we have some people in this country right now who have the nerve to ridicule that culture where they didn't know any better, while at the same time promoting norms in our current culture what they do know better, whether it's drugs, whether it's enabling criminals, whether it's destroying families, they do know creating norms like that are destructive, yet they promote them anyways. The founding fathers did not know those norms at the time. That's all. That was the world that they live in. You would think the captains of empathy and emotional intelligence would take three seconds of their and use their big, beautiful, open-minded brains to understand that's the perspective that they had at the time. So... These are men who get in the building July 4th, 1776. The minute they signed that piece of paper, yes, there was celebration, but they were also traitors 
to the biggest empire with the biggest military and the biggest navy on planet Earth at the time. I mean, King George and I, I'm not woke. I actually read history. I listen to audiobooks all the time in my truck. Um, so, I, you know, reading and knowing the facts is a big deal to me, unlike the hysterical woke crowd. The minute they signed that piece of paper, King George was angry. Incredibly, he felt betrayed. He knows someone like Benjamin Franklin personally. And you can imagine, it being Britain had a huge national ego, if you will. They were a powerful country. They felt they were the ones that had invested the money to make America, you know, America, um, and all the buildings, etc., and was protected by their military for years. So for these colonists to come along and say, "Oh, we're on our own now. Screw you. We're taking this ourselves." was a huge deal from the British perspective. It made these signers traitors, which was punishable by death. And they didn't do legal patty cake like we do now, where you you know get in trouble for something, but then you appeal and have another trial and it drags on for years. No, it was pretty quick back then. If they were caught, they were considered traitors, they were going to die. And they also knew what oppression was like. So they were not a bunch of rich white males who weren't familiar with oppression. One of the, one of the motivating forces behind all this was the oppressive taxes and other things the British had done to infuriate the colonists. So July 4th, 1776, obviously, eventually, there's, it starts the revolution. And when it's all said and done, we have the Constitution of the United States of America and the Bill of Rights a massive seismic event in human history, indisputable. The, the fact that, and as I've told many of you before, uh, the only good thing the Democrats that came out of the whole Democratic left during the Trump era is for the first time in my lifetime, and I'm in my early 40s, I actually heard Democrats care about and talk favorably about our democracy. Because I don't know about the rest of you, I had heard such cynical, toxic nonsense pretty much my whole life from far leftists about our democracy, how it was a joke, it's only meant to enrich people, the top 1%, big corporations, it was started by white males, we screwed all the Native Americans over to create America. There was nothing positive. Donald Trump comes along, the fake Russia, Russia, Russia thing emerges, and lo and behold, they all care about, as they would call it, our precious democracy and its institutions. So what is the purpose of our democracy and its institutions? The More than anything else, it's to establish a country that protected individual and state rights. Now, as I've spoken about multiple times on other podcasts, there is a very sad, pathetic group in this country where the only individual right they care about is abortion! Okay, this is an important holiday, July 4th, so let's take those little children and put them in the sandbox where they belong and talk about the real rights that created the United States of America. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to bear arms, individual property rights, etc. Was slavery in existence at that time? Yes. Was that, a, was that hypocritical on the Founding Fathers' point? part? Yes. Was it, again, part of the culture at the time? Yes. But... Even at that time, there was underlying pushes among Christians. You're not going to believe about evil Christians. Evil Christians were really starting to fight. If you look at William Wilberforce, for example, in England to end slavery. 
because it was already, they weren't stupid. They knew it wasn't right to own other people, to whip them, to beat them, etc. It's kind of about where do you start to unwind it now that you've created an, the entire economy, especially down south, down south, excuse me, based on slavery. So it was wrong. Like a lot of, and as like I've said before, we have a lot of people promoting really bad cultural things right now as we speak in this culture who really don't have a lot of room to talk when it comes about certain cultural things. But that was wrong at the time. So you create the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Subsequently, um, you could call it the first phase of American history. The country's established. There's the War of 1812. That was a major event. The purchase of the... Uh, the Louisiana Purchase with Thomas Jefferson when he bought massive amount of territory from the French. The West was continued to be expanded. There was the War of 1812, which was kind of a draw, but still uh, created American respect around the world. The Monroe Doctrine, excuse me. And then in the early 1800s, from the, that point on to 1865, if you look at American history, the tension was so high about slavery, that pretty much dominated everything until the Civil War. The Civil War takes place, brutal, bloody, ugly, half a million people die. Of course, many people maimed, families ruined, people just, the South was burnt down, just whores. Like no living person except for maybe people who went through concentration camps or lived through World War II, no current living Americans really understand. So. You get to 1865, leaking gets shot, unfortunately. The country's a mess. Re Reconstruction starts down south. And then the railroad industry was the, in my opinion, real turning point that slowly started to pull the country out of the doldrums. I mean, obviously, there were people who were involved in the Civil War personally that were never right again. Did you know a lot of the people who settled the southwestern states, Nevada, Arizona, etc., were just... A lot of them Civil War vets, mainly Southern, but also Northern. I mean, they didn't have diagnosis back then, like PTSD. There was no psychology. There was no VA hospital. You just were three years watching other people get their brains blown off. You can't just show up at a factory on Monday after watching that. Drinking problems, etc. A lot of the Southwestern states were settled by those Civil War vets. I mean, they just couldn't function in day-to-day -day life. The whole thing was just terrible. And so... But so I'm not discounting like the railroads were created and everybody was happy-go-lucky. That was not the case at all. And But the point is, as far as the country as a whole, the explosion of railroads, the movement of commerce, the settling of the West, the connecting to the East and West Coast create a lot of exciting times. Products can move, which then, of course, led to other inventions that made the steel industry explode, the oil industry explode. So within all of this, where I'm going with this, you see certain people, whether it's Carnegie, Rockefeller, Vanderbilt, were they Boy Scouts? Were they, quote, Mr. Rogers? Were they nice guys? Not close, of course. But And then there was miniature versions of them who invented things, etc., that you and I will never know. But under all of it, there was a massive explosion of human potential because of the... Re restriction of government, the protection of individual rights, the ability for the average person, even though it wasn't easy. That's the bottom line. So because the left likes to make fun of the right, say, you know, we love these Horatio Elgar uh, rags to riches stories like a bunch of naive fools. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying life is easy, even in America. And we're not saying it's 
Uh, not, it is, of course, easier for some people than other people. We don't discount all that, but we just don't camp out there with the collective loser mentality like they do, like I always talk about. So on, within that, incredible potential was unleashed right up through the 1920s when obviously there was a crash, the stock market, because easy credit, the normal things um, that lead to a massive economic downhill, easy credit, inflated stock market like we see even to this day. 1930s are brutal. You go into World War II, world, after World War II, America, you know, Europe is in shambles. Japan is in shambles, the two main competitors. America makes up 50% of global GDP. So it's an incredible story. And we could point to the material success. We could point to the material, uh, the business success, which of course helps with the military success, the natural resources that we have. But it's the philosophical part, the spirit behind that, that is so important to understand, because only a few people in each generation seem to be able to grasp this. I remember reading 1776 by David McCullough. I don't have the excerpt, but the Revolutionary War. At Valley Forge, when Washington crossed Valley Forge, was at an incredibly low morale point for the Americans. Most men, original fighters, had deserted. I mean, you have to remember, these guys made tremendous sacrifices. Women didn't work back then. So all these farmers, mainly, from all these different colonies, came to fight. Their wives and kids are back home on the farm, or in the businesses, trying to manage everything. They're getting their rear ends kicked by the British. Big, powerful, highly disciplined military. And so Valley Forge was a huge turning point. I mean, at that point, guys were... Uh, their toes were falling right off from frostbite. They were dropping dead pneumonia of the cold. It was just horrific. And so, uh, you know, they crossed in the middle of the night. That was a major morale booster for the entire Continental Army, which changed a lot of things. But according to McCullough, at that point, there was less than 1,000 troops left in the entire Continental Army. That small. And it seems like, in a way, there's been different times in American history but especially right now, where the minuscule percentage of the population, I shouldn't say minuscule, but seems to be getting smaller, has what I called, maybe it sounds too deep, just pierced the membrane into radical perspective. Radical perspective. What I mean by that, as far as the perspective of not just in contemporary times, but out throughout human history, monarchies, communism, theocracies, the feudal system, which I know is like, you know, same as monarchies, where the average schmuck, as much as the left tries to make it out, that the average person is being trampled here by big corporations, etc., which of course there's all types of corruption goes on with big corporations. If in the grand scheme of things, the attitude towards leaders, towards governments, towards countries, to the average schmuck throughout the history of mankind has been terrible. Okay, been terrible so much fear i mean you just you either grab you if you're older they grab your kids throw you out in a battlefield because this king hates that king or because we want to take this over or take that over or to this day in the muslim world sunnis versus shias uh catholics versus protestants in europe america instead of uh us versus them and you're born into uh, a certain tribe a certain religion where you go out and kill the other one you're born into a philosophical system where the idea is to protect 
the person to allow them to be a Sunni Muslim, a Shia, a Protestant, a Catholic. Because there's an understanding which is unique throughout the history of mankind that the purpose of the government is to protect all that and allow all those people to live in the same place. That's the central role of the government, to protect that rather than getting together and going to attack the other one. And of course, many of you with big picture skills and common sense are grasping this so quick. But there's the element out there that they're just fuming. What about Iraq? What about this? What about, just shut up. Just shut up. It's 4th of July. Shut up. So the point is, because you don't have any big picture skills, you're not going to ruin it for everybody else. But the point, so you, normal people understand where I'm coming from. Was there mistakes made over that time? Of course there was. Of course there was. But the general philosophical sense, despite how screwed up human beings are, uh, tribal, you know, Barack Obama called people like you and I tribal. You know, no, Barack Obama's not tribal. No, not because he's black, but, you know, give me a break. That, that's the biggest fallacy of all. When you get <laughs> people who don't really care for uh, certain people who look a certain way of a certain political party, but then they have the nerve to call everybody else tribal, I always find that interesting. But anyway, um, so it's an amazing experiment in human history. And, you know, the definition, I looked up the definition of patriot. What is a patriot? Um, the general definition is a person who vigorously supports their country and is prepared to defend it against enemies or detractors. So people are actually dedicated to this country. And like I said, a lot of those people, one thing they have in common, they might be Latino or white, they might be gay or straight, they might be a non-nut Democrat, they might be a right-wing person. Um, they have a profound appreciation for the uniqueness of this country and the protection it provides to individuals, the spirit behind it, etc. And that's the common thing. And that's why I have to be so careful and disciplined. I argue with people on the right about this all the time. I call them single-issue volcanoes, where there's someone, a moderate Democrat or a, a Republican, and they have one disagreement on one issue, and the you-know-what hits the fan. And to me, it's such a childish thing because, say, you, you, you could be a conservative Christian person, and someone might be gay, and you might not care for their lifestyle, and you might disagree with it, even though that is, but you have a, still have an understanding it's not like some hardcore Muslim country where you have no need to go up and throw them off the top of a building like they do over there, that they have a right to do that. And you might be irked by them, but you have to remember there might be people, there are people in the gay community and they might vote more democratic, but they share what I call the piercing of the radical membrane of understanding, of understand perspective, excuse me, that, that this country is unique. And they might be the type of person with a flag in front of their house and they might be very patriotic in their own unique way. And you might have more in touch with that person than the, and, and it's important, I guess I'm saying, not to alienate that person because they are such a more valuable citizen than as I'm doing this podcast right now, the thousands or millions who are just oblivious. They're, it's 7.41 p.m. when I'm doing this. They're on their fourth joint for the day, completely apathetic, living in their own oblivious world, no responsibilities. They don't work. They don't pay taxes. They don't care about their kids. They don't have any respect for this country, even though pretty much for the most part they live off it. You might have more as a you might be a conservative person, and you have more in at least the appreciation for this country that the gay person I mentioned before is. Or yet better yet, my favorite, you might meet you know someone who's a doctor, 
making seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year after growing up in an upper middle class house, and you just broach the subject of America. And it's a fire hydrant of hatred, of the sins this country has done, of wars, of the inequality, of what we did for Native Americans, did to Native Americans, just an explosion. Not one ounce of appreciation, not one ounce of the radical perspective that I'm talking about as far as the uniqueness of this country in the grand scheme of the human race. And again, I'm not naive, either are you, I'm not saying Every single action by the United States government or the United States military or American citizen has been perfect by any means. But having big picture skills, which a lot of the kooks lack, uh, by the way, um, while they lecture you, is very important to take that perspective. And understand there are important people in this country who might not agree with us on everything, but they at least have that appreciation. And the times that are coming, which most likely will not be easy, that appreciation is going to be so important. I really believe that. So, um, in conclusion, I'd just like to say that in this, it's a 4th of July. Of course, there should be cheerleading for America. I'm cheerleading for America right now, as you can tell by this podcast as far as what we've done, what this country has accomplished. I mean, just like guns, as I've said before, guns, 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 now there's a shooting today in Chicago, unfortunately, the gun will be blamed. We never understand, we never put in perspective how much evil is restrained by guns. There's a reason cops wear a gun and just a cop entering a room, a policeman entering a room, or multiple policemen, whether it's a domestic dispute, whether it's a bar fight, it subsides. And I know the left wants to live in a beautiful world like England where the cops don't carry guns. Well, that's not, we're not going there. I mean, that's not real. It'll never happen. Point is, human nature is what it is. And frankly, this is why I think Christian Jewish model, the Judeish Christian model of starting that human beings in general aren't playing with a full deck. You get structures in place to deal with that. And then you can, once that's dealt with and faced, as far as legal systems, etc., you can live life. Rather than living in the progressive prokelia, a human being are always evolving. We're evolving to next levels. You know, the Oprah Winfrey model, which means, of course, if you don't eat meat, you're not evolving to the next level. If you are a gun owner who has no felonies, no misdemeanors, has had a very good life as far as providing for your family, being a reliable citizen, is a reliable employee, somehow you are less evolved than someone that doesn't own a gun or just personally doesn't like guns. Well, I don't like them. So that I don't like them somehow makes you better than that person I just described. It's all an ego game that gets turned into how somehow we're more evolved. If I look at a sonogram and see a five-month-year-old fetus, a five-month fetus with arms and legs and a heartbeat and don't think that fetus's life should be ended and that it's separate from the mother, I mean, it's physically attached, but a separate being forming, Somehow I'm less evolved? No, 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 no. That's, that doesn't work here. That does not work. And it's time for people to make it clear to them. That does not work. And you're not ashamed that you believe that. So, again, I'm putting all this perspective. America is a great country, has been a great country. Now, here's the catch, though. We can be patriotic and we can be cheerleaders, 
but that's no reason to be a fool. So I can't leave this podcast right now saying, yeah, America is a great country, blah, blah, blah. And there's people who listen to it. And you just spent an absorbent amount of money in relation to your income, especially relative to the last couple of years, on gas, on food, just for this holiday weekend. You go back to work tomorrow, don't know what hit you. I can tell by the number of boats on the lake in the area that I live. Things are way down, etc. So we do have problems right now. Absolutely. And the problem is like inflation. Inflation is a credible demoralizer. It's a psychological, at first a financial, but then psychological demoralizer. And it leads to so many problems. That's how the Bernie Sanders and other people, how they weasel their way in. Through inflation, even though the inflation itself is usually created, and it is in our case, by stupid policies from people like them. I have emphasized to people I know personally over and over again, this country, and I end on this podcast, enough oil in North America for 100 years by some estimates, massive timber, massive amounts of land, the Saudi Arabia of natural gas, all of this is unacceptable. Like you, I'm not a fool. If this was Hong Kong or Japan or the Philippines or some island nation with limited land, limited resources, limited oil... Then you can make the case, we got to get smart as far as our trade policies, as far as the type of equipment we use, how we heat our houses, etc., because we have limited resources. This is all farce. This is not, like I told you, this is a unique, moronic level of inflation that we're dealing with here. And the people say, hey, what about Europe? What about Europe? They have inflation too. That's their newest talking points among the same people. They're, before they were calling it transitory inflation and insulting our intelligence. Now they're doing this whole Europe-Putin thing. The reality of the situation is Europe should have major inflation right now because they get their energy from a psychopath, which they chose to go the hyper-green route, again, because they're more evolved than everybody else, because they, you know, Eradicating Down syndrome and getting your resources from a psychopath is very considered evolved in the white world. So everybody bought into that apple or bullshit or whatever you want to call it, and now they're reaping the repercussions. Not our problem. So this country that you and I live in, where individual rights are protected, even more so than ever because of the recent Supreme Court decisions, should not be dealing with all these problems. This is a farce. A government-created farce. By, stu- by people, not in- unintelligent from an IQ perspective, but just bamboozled with foolish nonsense as far as their attitude towards energy, the environment, and really the history of this country in general. And a lack of respect for the norms that make lead to a healthy culture. We can see that everywhere right now. As far as the rage, the shootings, the overdoses... Um, just, just pathetic. I mean, there are physical problems in the physical world. It's like the water shortage out West. We could deal with it. We could deal with it. That, that every, uh, tribe, culture, country has dealt with freaking challenges. Individuals, it's the nature of human existence, as I've said before. But ours are just so self-made. They're just so stupid to look at. That's what's irritating. So we can deal with the water problems in the West. That's a physical problem with physical resources. And frankly, we're kind of being manipulated with that, by the way. Because as I've mentioned before in a previous podcast, if this big climate change thing is coming and all types of water shortages, why haven't we been building desalinization plants like they have in the Middle East for the last 10 years? If Al Gore and, you know, the Billy Graham of climate, blah, 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 who, by the way, his former chief of staff 
is Joe Biden's chief of staff, Ryan Klain. He's a real beauty. If they knew about all this, why haven't desalinization plants been built for the last 10 years? As I mentioned before, because they're waiting for the Colorado River to drive up. They're waiting for Lake Mead to dry up so they could point right at it and say, see, we were right about climate change. All you ignorant idiots didn't listen to us. And now we need to do whatever it takes. Sounds like COVID, right? To get this under control. Scary. It is scary. And especially, oh, by the way, they're making millions and billions off it in the process. So the even the water problem in the West, becoming major water problem in the West, it's kind of man-made, stupidity-based, just like our inflation, by the way. But the other stuff, the cultural stuff, the hate, the shootings, the school shootings, the overdoses, the massive number of people uh, on psychological pills, the incarceration rates, the crime spike, these are serious situations. And where I started with this, created by many people who now, in my opinion, created a culture and cultural norms that fed a lot of this via Hollywood, via educational institutions, etc. The masculinity crisis, where you now have teenage boys, their parents have to fight with them, or not fight, but you know, push them in their late teens and early 20s to get a driver's license. Because we did a full blast via Hollywood war on masculinity. And that's what you end up with now. You All of you know what I'm saying. So that's where we are. I can't end this on some Pollyanna, be a lack of integrity on my part. And you probably think I was naive to just end this on a America's perfect and beautiful end of the podcast. Can't do that right now. No, the philosophies, the history of America is precious and we can learn a lot from it the philosophies which went back all the way back to the enlightenment Locke, rousseau different european philosophers that jefferson and adams used when they wrote the constitution and declaration of independence they're a leap in the evolution the real evolution not the obama oprah evolution of mankind they need to be protected and again we have to accept the fact that only a certain percentage, and I know it can be incredibly frustrating as far as why can't other people see that? You know, it's just no different than arguing or debating with a coworker about something, a boss, an employee, a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a teammate. Like, why can't they see this? At some point, you got to accept the fact they might never see it. Whether it's the doctor raging about how awful America is, while it's the drug addict who's just flopping around, wasting his life around away, whether it's the criminal, whether it's the you know 300-pound cat hair-covered uh, seven-hyphen maniac who's the nucleus of her entire life is women's issues, aka abortion, and everything else plays second fiddle, and she doesn't realize how pathetic that looks. All of them, we will never understand them. So it's up to the rest of us to carry the water, to really turn this thing around. And it needs to be turned around. And you're seeing that happen on school boards, on zoning uh, committees, on uh, committee, political committeemen, especially in the Republican Party committee seats, are being filled up by younger people all over the country. And it absolutely has to happen. It's Because you can, you can lose this. Anything can be squattered. Uh, money can be squandered, freedom can be squandered. The history of the human race has shown all types of squandering. I'm not trying to scare you, but um, I heard it. I think his name is Ray Dalio. Uh, I mean, it might not be mispronouncing it, the billionaire hedge fund guy. He has a saying. He says, if you're not worried, you need to be worried. 
if you are worried, you need to stop worrying. And what he means by it, it's a clever saying, and what he's found in life is the people who worry. In other words, people who are conscientious, who are focused, who care, who want things done right, who are always thinking about what could go wrong. A lot of times those things work out for those people. So really the ironic thing is they don't need to worry. People who are oblivious, apathetic, uh, irresponsible, they actually do need to worry because there's a good chance the wagon, the wheels are going to come off the cart and they're going to have a trouble. That would have been the case way more 150 years ago, but now in modern America, everybody else gets the bill for them and they seem to keep floundering along and producing a bunch of kids in the process. But anyway, <laughs> just a little cynical, but no, seriously. So we need to get focused. We need to carry on. One, focus, face the problem. Two, face the fact that it's not might not be a massive majority of the country that wants to turn around and three have a plan to do it and understand our history and understand our true allies in the process and not to alienate people people who actually have some type of respect and reverence for this country not the deadwood who continue to drag it down and infect our culture in the process we will not allow the united states of america to become praghelia we won't let it happen and I think a lot of us who have benefited from this country owe a lot to it. We really do. I mean, it's even if we're not rich, even if it's not as successful as we quote-unquote want it to be, we can't have a childish perspective. That's the root of all evil in life. So I hope everybody enjoyed this. Again, enjoy what's left of your 4th of July weekend. And we will be back with another episode of The Least Woke Man in America.